So we've been doing a series, if you've been paying attention, on relationships and the things that make relationships thrive. And we've been talking about um, how to talk with people who've hurt you. We've talked about how to confess when you've hurt someone else. And tonight we're talking about forgiveness and like how do we forgive ourselves? Like, and how does God forgive us? Even the things that we don't think we can forgive ourselves for. Like how does that work? And so tonight we're going to be looking at 1 John. This can be in the Pew Bibles on page 989. page 989, and we're going to read what was used for our confession plus a little bit more. So 1 John 1, verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. Hear the word of the Lord from the Apostle John. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the Apostle John, who wrote this letter, had a problem. There were people in the church to whom he was writing who didn't think that sin was that big of a deal. They thought that they could have a fine relationship with God and, you know, just kind of keep sinning. It didn't really matter that much. In fact, there was even a subgroup of people in this church who believed that their bodies could sin, but they really weren't sinning. Yeah, I don't get that either. (laughs) It seems kind of obvious to say that this was a church that had a problem with sin because all churches have a problem with sin. (laughs) But this church had, a con- had like a conceptual problem with sin, like they didn't really get it. Like they were trying to wiggle out of the truth of sin and what it would actually mean for their lives. They were doing these mental gymnastics to kind of say that sin really didn't matter. You know, Jesus fixed everything and we don't have to worry about it anymore. They weren't thinking rightly about sin. Now, unfortunately, this isn't just a problem that our friend John had to deal with. Maybe you've heard things like this. Um, Oh, I figure I'll just do my best and, you know, grace will cover it all. Or maybe something like, yeah, my boyfriend and I live together, but we go to church more than other people, so I think it's all going to wash out in the end. 
or I don't really worry about obeying God. I like to think about God as loving and kind and just kind of leave it at that. That's making too little of a sin. Or maybe the challenge is more of this. There's this thing that I did in high school and I just can't get over it. Or if people knew what I was actually like, they would be shocked. Or I can't even go to church anymore. I feel so guilty. That's making too much of sin. You see, in either case, whether we think too little of sin or we think too much of sin, like the people to whom John was writing here, we're not thinking rightly about sin. Now, you may wonder, what's the big deal? If we're forgiven, why does it matter if we think rightly about sin? Well, it matters because how we think about sin affects how we think about the cross. And how we think about the cross affects every breath we take. If we think that sin isn't that big of a deal, for example, then it's not too big a leap to think that the cross really wasn't that necessary. You know, it was the suffering and death of Jesus that was kind of overkill. You know, it was a little above and beyond. It was like killing a fly with a sledgehammer. Didn't need all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was kind of gross. It's kind of uncouth, you know, the, the crown of thorns and the, the being paraded naked through the streets and the whole nails and the spear in the side and the blood and the water flowing out. I mean, all of that is just, you know, ugh. God loves me and I do my best and grace is enough and the cross, well, I try to not think too much about it. Or we go to the other extreme, my sin And in fact, maybe one particular act of sin is all I can think about. I still have bad dreams about it. There are people I avoid seeing because of it. Whenever I see someone who is at that party, I look the other way, I go the other direction. I can never see him again. I can never see her again. Even just remembering it makes me blush with embarrassment. I can't not think about my sin. It defines me, the shame, the embarrassment, the guilt. It just, it defines me. It clings to me. At some point in your educational career, you may have read the Scarlet Letter. And even if you haven't read it, you probably know enough about the book to know that there's this woman who commits adultery and the community sentences her to wearing a scarlet letter A on her clothing for the rest of her life. And this A defines her, but it not only defines her, it defines the people who are affected also by her sin. It affects her daughter who was conceived in the affair. It affects the person who helped her conceive the child. It affects the husband who was away when all of this happened. 
She wears the A every day. It affects every part of her life. She can't not think about her sin. We walk around with letters all over us. Maybe it's an S for sex before marriage. Maybe it's a P for pornography, a G for gossip. Maybe it's an E for envy, an S for selfishness, a D for drunkenness. We are an alphabet soup of sin. And then maybe for some of us, there's that one. There's that scarlet letter. There's that word. There's that act. There's that thing that just defines us, that one action, that one addiction that feels like we wear it and see it and smell it all the time, and we think, I can't not think about my sin. You see, the problem with this perspective is that if we let sin define us, then the cross seems too little. I know Jesus died for sins, but I don't think it covers this one. I don't think God really gets what that sin is about. I don't think the suffering and death of Jesus are enough for this. I don't think the cross is enough for me. You see, when we aren't thinking rightly about sin, either making too little of it or making too much of it, we aren't thinking rightly about the cross. And that's why John writes what he writes here. To those who say sin isn't such a big deal, he says, hey, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Gets right to the heart of the matter. Of course you have sin. You stray into the darkness and God is light. Here's the deal. Just as you can't have light and darkness in the same space, you can't have God and sin in the same space. If you want to hang out with God and hang on to your sin, that is not going to work. That is not the way this plays out. And to those who are obsessed with their sin, John says, look, if you confess your sin, if you name it, if you say it out loud to somebody else, I did this, and you say you're sorry, and you don't want to do it again, and you say those things to God, he says. Well, then God is faithful and just, and he's going to forgive your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He says Jesus is the atoning sacrifice, not just for your sins, but for the sins of the whole world. So just so we're clear, in case you think your sin is too much, just remember that God's Sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for the sins of the whole world. You're covered. You're covered. Your sin does not define you. Your sin does not define you. Having sex outside of marriage, accessing pornography, playing around with Adderall, lying to your professor. That one drunken night, the abortion, 
Your sin does not define you. That's the good news here. Sin doesn't define us. God does. God defines us. John says you confess your sin. God's faithful and just. He's going to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You get a fresh start. When God forgives, you see, he lays down his anger. He lays down what we rightfully owe him. He no longer holds a grudge against you for the things that you've done in your past. In fact, when God forgives, he looks at you differently. He doesn't look at you and say, July 2008, you stole that video game from your best friend. He doesn't say, December 2012, you lied to your mom about where you were spending the night. July 2015, started getting drunk every weekend. February 2017, has used your fake social media account to stalk and troll your ex. March 2018, still addicted to porn, haven't gotten help. John says, that's not what God is up to. God is not up there keeping track. He doesn't have a date book. He's not cataloging your sin. Oh, let's add that one to the list. Oh, and there's no, oh. John says, no, that's not the way it works. You see, God is faithful and God is just and he forgives your sins. He doesn't even see them anymore. In fact, Paul puts it this way. He says, for our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. When God looks at you, he actually sees a righteous person because the power of the cross neutralizes sin. You are holy in the eyes of God. You are righteous in the eyes of God, for real. I'm not making it up. It's in there. <laughs> you are holy and righteous, and when God looks at you, he says, there she is. There's my girl. That's my boy. There's my precious child. Hey, come on in here. Let's go. We're starting over. New day. You and me. You are precious and you are loved and you are mine. That's the good news of the gospel. That's why Jesus came. This is the basic stuff. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross to save us from this sinful, broken world. John says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Years ago, I had the opportunity to swim in the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea, as you know, has a lot of salt in it. And it also has a lot of other minerals that for centuries people have used to heal skin. Now, when you first get into the Dead Sea, every wound on your body hurts. Like the salt gets in there and just like, like every scrape, every hangnail, everything you, like I didn't even know I hurt that part of me and it's just stinging like crazy. And then you kind of settle in and you float because, you know, 
you can't drown in the dead sea, like buoyant, right? You're just floating for a while, and then you're like, oh, oh, that, that feels better now. And you hang out there for a little while, and then you go, and you shower off, and you look at your scrapes, and you're like, wow, they're like already healing. You've been cleansed. It hurt, but it heals. That's like the cleansing of God. It hurts because it forces us to take a look at sin that we may not be taking seriously enough or forces us to look at sin we're probably taking a little too seriously and says instead of those things, let's think rightly about sin, let's cleanse and heal and look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's be healed. The cleansing of our God forces us to look rightly at our sins so that we can look rightly at the cross of Jesus Christ. Sin does not define us. God defines us. God's pursuit of us defines us. One commentator pointed out that in the New Testament, nobody writes that they really felt close to God because they saw a beautiful sunset. Luke doesn't write about when he and Paul were shipwrecked and he said, yeah, but we saw the stars and we really felt close to God. Doesn't happen. The Gospels don't say that Jesus goes up into the mountains to pray because the mountains are pretty and they make him feel close to God. None of that. There's no feeling close to God in the New Testament. What is celebrated in the New Testament is that God is the one who draws near to us, who comes close to us, who draws us near to him through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what's celebrated again and again and again in the New Testament. The ugly, bloody mess of the cross is the beautiful gift that makes us fall down and worship because it makes us right with God. It's Jesus who looks at you and he walks up to you with his nail-pierced hands outstretched and he starts to peel away those letters that are stuck on your chest. And then he looks at you and he sees that one letter in your hand, that one scarlet letter, that one sin And he looks at you and he says, that's not who you are. Give that to me. And when we reach out and place that sin in the nail-scarred hand of Jesus, it is no more. Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. It is gone. It is forgotten. You are free. So don't let anyone tell you that you are enslaved by something you did in your past. 
Don't you dare let the voice of the enemy tell you that you are any less because of your sin. Don't you dare let shame cripple you from using your gifts in the kingdom of God because you are forgiven and you are free and you are a beloved child of God. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. When we think rightly about our sin, it gives us the opportunity to think rightly about the cross. And when we think rightly about the cross, we wanna give our whole lives to Jesus Christ. Obedience isn't a burden, obedience is a delight. Walking in the light is what we crave, it's what we want. Hearing the truth spoken from God and speaking the truth to each other is the kind of community we want to be in. Because when we understand what God in Christ has done for us, we go all in. We gather at the table tonight because sin is a big deal. It took everything Jesus had to deal with sin. Sin is a big deal, but it's not the biggest deal. The biggest deal is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the biggest deal. And we get to come to this table. And as you come forward in a little bit, if there is a letter, if there is a sin that you just need to symbolically lay down before you take that bread and that cup, just do it. Just make a gesture. Just lay it down and say, God, I surrender. I give it to you. Because when we look at the wonderful cross, we say things like, were the whole realm of nature mine? That would be a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. That's a gift.